0: Well, hi, welcome to another episode of the Hillbrook CTE Podcast, the Center for Teaching Excellence. My name is Bill Selick. I'm Director of Technology here at Hillbrook.
1: And I'm Annie Makala, Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship at Hillbrook.
0: Yes, and we are here on a rainy day. So if you hear the pitter-patter of rain, that's either my hands doing this... it's actual rain hitting the roof of the podcast studio.
1: But we're very cozy in the village of friendly relations it's, where our podcast studio exists.
0: I do feel cozy. I have my warm coffee. And do you know what I did this morning? What? I took that little spinny aerator thing and Ooh, did that to some half and half.
1: Nice. You really went for it. I
0: leveled up my coffee and, uh, and it's going to show in this podcast episode. I'm feeling it.
1: That's awesome. I'm drinking a delicious fair trade coffee that our design partner from... Washington, D.C. sent to us as a holiday gift.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, then I raise a glass to you. Impact.
1: Impact.
0: Oh, you even got that in the mix. Yeah. Um, So we have The Hub opening up. And uh, I think January gets me to this kind of introspective place of where we've been and where we're going. Uh, Right around April, The Hub will be live it will be launched it will be here it's
1: so exciting i've
0: been looking at the google docs i've been taking notes for every meeting and it's gone we started in 2016.
1: that's so crazy with
0: with not the the actual construction part of it but the like how might we reimagine like kind of making and what what all the things we've done um thus far so should we go a little down memory lane
1: yeah let's do it because that two 2016 predated my arrival to hillbrook
0: it did and this story actually predates my arrival but i will uh i'll reference everybody to our very very first podcast episode for the cte
1: oh that's so exciting our first one
0: was a google hangout on air do you remember these (laughs)
1: yes
0: um and so ilsa doman who's a director of the center for teaching excellence um was doing a lot of studies around space and how environment shapes behavior and actually doing like quantitative studies. And she's Mm -hmm. presented on this. She is like an absolute expert on space in classrooms, particularly K-8, like so amazing and insightful and brilliant and brings really that that science analytical brain to it in a way that I would just say like wiggle stools are better. She's like, I think they are, but actually did a quantitative study where, you know, she gave students and she talked about this on that episode. So, you know, just the the kind of the summary that I've heard her say in presentations is that gave students, um, wiggle and non-wiggle and had them either do a free, write for kind of middle school English class or in lower school, they did some math, right. Just like really simple computational, um, Timed it and then just counted how many they did, right? And quantitatively, students did more math problems and they did more words of free write when they had the choice of wiggle,
1: mm, right? Interesting.
0: And so, so as we began the flexible furniture um, adventure, that really like it started really in the iLab, mm-hmm. the idea lab. There's it, a
1: really cool like uh, video that you can watch of the iLab back. I think in 2016, I remember when I was interviewing for Hillbrook, it was one of the few videos that I could find of the physical campus. Mm. And they showed, it's like a um, time-lapse video yeah, over yeah. time, like the, the various ways that the iLab is set up and, and designed for student engagement.
0: Yeah, sure, so that was, uh, Don North put that up. He was the tech director that predated me. Um, and that camera's still up in the corner. Oh, nice. Yeah, if you look up kind of above the laser cutter. Um, and so, They really documented how we use that space. And so the iLab used to be the computer lab with those giant monitors that could like crush a small child. (laughs) Remember those?
1: Yes, I remember them very, very well.
0: Yeah, so we had those. We had a computer lab and then we thought we have iPads. Our school was one of the first in the world to actually have iPads. We didn't need the computer lab, so we called it the Idea Lab. I love that. Right, And so the shift that I actually just put together this morning when we were off mic is that Um, I think it's important to name and have a space for what your school and your culture cares about Mm. for what matters to your school. Nice. Right. So soon we're going to talk about the equity impact lab. Yep. Right. That that's a physical space. What's interesting with the iPad is that the importance I think of the iPad is that any student, really any human on our campus, right. Can engage with technology, right. Record movies, record music type stuff out, you know, work on any number of things at any place. Mm. So the shift was actually away from a computer lab to all 14 acres of Hillbrook. Nice. Right. And so actually naming technology is part of who we are as a school was actually getting rid of the computer lab.
1: Oh, interesting. Right. That's yeah, a trip. That's fantastic.
0: And so as that happened, we had some makery tools, right? So laser cutter, 3D printers, a whole bunch of hand tools, tons of cardboard, all the the ideation types, tools, all of that, but then also flexible furniture. And so Dawn and at the time, our fifth grade science teacher, Krista Flores, really went deep into the making and that became fifth grade science, mm. right? Problem-based science. And then it also went really deep into the learning spaces. And so my first year, we went from the one space, the idea lab, the iLab, into I think it was nine different teachers. And so that first episode, You'll hear from nine different teachers that raised their hand and said, yeah, like I want flexible furniture. Everyone got to actually sit down and design their classroom with Ilsa. Everyone was a little bit different. Mm. And then they shared out that learning. And that was our first episode of this podcast.
1: That's awesome.
0: Right. So now we fast forward that that episode, I think, was 2016 when our podcast started. So now we have the hub. And so we take all the lessons learned at the iLab of what I think people just kind of the shorthand of what making is. Yep. So we had a wood shop, we had kind of the maker space. So what are we missing from that? Right? And so that's what the hub is gonna be. And what's been interesting is that now that you're here, we're talking about social entrepreneurship, it's both everywhere, but then it also has that home in the Equity Impact Lab. Yeah. Right? We've been really focused on DEI work. Right. Right. Gulliver's now our first full time senior leadership position, director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that equity impact lab like there's a, a physical space about that yeah that's right, right.
1: and i think it, it also recognizes the intersectionality of social entrepreneurship and dei work as being a critical connection and and um intersection between the two that you can't actually do social entrepreneurship separate from diversity equity and inclusion work
0: okay so tell me more about that because we actually haven't dug into that much
1: yeah you know so i think um the the name social entrepreneurship. If we talk about it in I always say like there's big E entrepreneurship and there's lowercase e entrepreneurship, when you're talking about big E entrepreneurship, you're talking about, you know, specifically tied to business. So whether that's Patagonia whether that's, um, seventh generation, like we have examples of social entrepreneurial businesses that are looking at their impact on people in the planet. You know, we talk about that a lot. The three P's in traditional social entrepreneurship business, people, planet, profit. When you bring that context into a school, you're talking about the three P's as people, planet, partnership. So small s, small e, social entrepreneurship, education, S E E, um, really looks at the impact on people and planet through partnership.
0: All right, right. Okay, got it.
1: Um, So, you know, we don't ignore profit. I teach an elective class in sixth grade called Money Matters. It it looks at the eight types of capital, um, but also is where we design things like Hillbuck's and we talk about the history of currency. So we're we're not trying to separate from the business side of entrepreneurship.
0: Well, and then finance is one of the six pillars of social entrepreneurship. Right.
1: That's right. So finance holds a space, um, but it is not the, you know, it's not the dominant way of looking at Entrepreneurship. It's in addition to five other pillars, and I think when when Gulliver got here, and when you know Jules was in this position before when I arrived at Hillbrook, that partnership is something that is is core to us doing social entrepreneurship well, and vice versa. So you know, I often talk to Gully about our work in sustainability on and off campus because we know that climate change will affect people of color, communities of color, communities of low socioeconomic status, families being raised by a single mother. So these are all ways in which um, we need to understand sustainability both as like a very um, concrete scientific way of going about social entrepreneurship or social impact, but we also need to understand it tied to humans' lives and the way in which it will impact society and communities.
0: Okay, and so it actually will impact those groups you just named quicker earlier. Yes, with
1: less ability to recover from the effects of climate change. Okay. So when you're looking, and the, and this is true mostly, you know when you're when you're able to put this in a global context, but actually even you know when we look at the impact of forest fires here in California, sure, the people most affected by forest fires are those that don't have access to, um, you know, lots of financial resources to recover from the fires, don't have access to insurance for various reasons, um, and are in really tough spots when their family is asked to relocate. These are all ways in which, you know, something that might seem far off. So the Australian fires seem really far away to us. Right, right. But we, you know, just last year we had our first ever smoke day at school. Yep. So fires are not something, you know, they don't choose which people they affect. There are ways in which privilege and power play into um, how communities pay their firefighters, how communities navigate natural disaster. Um, But I am really interested in this intersection between climate change, environmental sustainability, diversity, equity and inclusion, because I think you can put social entrepreneurship on, you know, overlaid that Um, I'm not making a lot of sense here.
0: No, no, that totally makes sense. The the other (laughs) thing that actually is a quick aside, and then we'll we'll get back to this Um, when you're talking about the fires. I just finished watching The Morning Show,
1: mm, the new Steve Jennifer Kroll, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston,
0: Apple TV plus original. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It talks a lot about like sexual misconduct at work and that's really the overarching theme, but there are fires in Malibu.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Right. And so actually the the corporate executive um, hires private firefighters and they actually talk about privilege and power yep. and and really name that. And then there's that's basically an episode. I don't want to ruin it. It's worth watching. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. But it's it's interesting that it's not, um, you know, just people talking about it on podcasts. It's really hitting you know, some bigger themes and bigger audiences.
1: Right, and you know, it really looks at like, um, you know, I, I believe in capitalism. I think capitalism is, is um, has as many great ways in which it's um, creating jobs and creating opportunities for people to, to be part of a system. Um, but I also think there's ways in which we can double click on it and see who is benefiting from the system and who is left out of that system. And that's where um, the Impact Lab has given us a space, the Equity and Impact Lab has given us a space um, on campus that we can actually bring people and show the various ways that this space is being used through the lens of social entrepreneurship, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and reaching beyond.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think one thing that's been really interesting around spaces, as I have, you know, I'm, I'm in a weekly hub meeting. <laughs> I've had it almost, you know, every Tuesday for, you know, two, three yeah, years-ish, yep. um, right? Um, and so a lot of what, as me, director of technology, brings to those meetings is not just, you know, the arrangement of um, you know, where the Ethernet cables will go in the wall and where the wireless access points connect, but really like thoughtfully looking at space mm. and how environment shapes behavior. Right. Nice. That's another thing I learned from Ilsa, right? Yep. Environment shapes behavior. So if we look yep. at this space we're in now, not a visual medium, I get that, <laughs> right? You know, but it's like we're we're standing, we have some mics right. on boom stands and the the roadcaster in front of us and that's really it. Yeah. Headphones and mics and a button to hit record. Right. Right. So you're not going to come in here, put kids in rows. Right. You wouldn't get that many kids anyway. Yeah. And do like a five paragraph essay. Right. Right. So that's like a super obvious example. But like the less obvious examples as we look at the hub is what do we or don't we put in that space? And what is that space communicating about what you can do? and can't do about what you should and shouldn't do, right? Mm, There's all these expectations. Yep.
1: What we value as a school.
0: Exactly, right? So it's, it's a way that you can actually display your values with how your spaces look. Mm. And it makes such a difference, right? And so a lot of people like Bob Dylan comes to mind um, over in St. Louis, talks a lot about spaces that already exist and kind of redesigning spaces. It's been really interesting having this conversation around a new space. So when people go, oh, what happens there? The answer isn't art, robotics, technology, making. Yeah. The answer is actually around um, kind of buckets of what can and can't happen nice. <laughs> compared to other things. So the podcast studio shouldn't be next to the chop saw, right? Yeah. Like that's the obvious thing. But for two reasons, obviously the noise, but also all that wood dust. What's the wood dust called? There's a better name for that sawdust.
1: I was like, is there a face Can you tell
0: I'm not a woodworker at heart? (laughs) Um, I know my way around a chop saw though.
1: Yeah, there you go. I still have
0: all 10 digits. (laughs) Uh, Right, so so the function of the spaces is actually the tools connect with the relative kind of dustiness of it. Yep. Not to say that like spaces are going to be super clean or super messy, but right, if you're chopping wood, it's going to be dusty immediately. Yep. It's also going to be loud. So the big hub space, like the big, double decker room Mm -hmm. is going to be the loudest and dustiest space as you move towards the existing F building kind of the commons building where ceramics is Uh the downstairs will still be pretty messy that's probably where the paints are going to go okay right a little bit louder like kids can still be whatever kind of with their volume in a normal classroom that paints upstairs is going to have some specialized tools you know like the stuff that Shay's doing the ilab right now she's gonna be our hub engineer awesome so you know the soldering those types of tools robotics where the arduinos and raspberry Pis and micro bits those specific tools will probably be up there you know so again pretty close to the noise yep away like physically with a wall okay from the dust right because you wouldn't want to be soldering with like sawdust flying everywhere not not that it will but right just kind of you know you want to have those things in separate rooms and then as you go upstairs to where the new tech office is where Ken's art temporarily okay. is, yep, yep, right? That upstairs that used to be the library, if you visited Hillbrook, yeah. that big upstairs space is going to be relatively right. The cleanest and quietest. Mm, nice. Okay.
1: I'm like in Zen already, just like <laughs> imagining being in that space.
0: Sure. You know, so like, so Greg Seamus will be there for like photography for video. He also teaches your So we have those hardwired for like network drives. So kind of the specialized, um, quieter spaces nice you know and your book can clearly be loud and they are and that's fine like it's not that kids have to be silent like in a library right right? but it's going to be away from tools that are inherently just super noisy
1: okay you know so we can have like you
0: know a little like maybe like a one room podcast voiceover space where kids can legitimately either like record a podcast in the corner nice or do some voiceover work or just like take a picture sneak in use seesaw to annotate kind of Yep. Auditorily, orally yep. annotate. I like that. Yep. Orally annotate <laughs> their photo, post it to Seesaw, and then, you know, that keeps track of kind of their thinking. Um, and so it's not like your book happens here, art happens here, robotics is here. It's this is the loudest, dustiest space. This is the Quietest, cleanest space.
1: Nice. Yeah. Oh, this is making me so excited. Emily Hendricks and I just finished teaching a sixth, uh, seventh and eighth grade elective digital storytelling.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We were, um, when we designed it over the summer, we were imagining being in the hub space as one of the breakout spaces for those exact reasons. Um, we mm-hmm. used the Equity and Impact Lab, which was great. And Know the combination of the spaces on the Hillbrook campus when the hub opens, um, when we continue to build out, I think, some of our work around podcasting and how you get children in front of a mic. Um, We've done that in several Reach Beyond blocks, we've done it um, in combination with some reflection for students through the Sustainable Development Goals. But I think, you know, all of these pockets of Opportunities to have student voice and choice at the center of what we're doing really speaks to our goals of having reach beyond as a core part of a student's experience at Hillbrook.
0: Well, sure, and you just talked about our mission and vision, right? It's for students to reach beyond themselves and make a difference in the world. Yeah. Right, and so we're, we've been talking a lot about the space with that. Um, one interesting thing has been in the hub. People are asking kind of if there can be like a corner or a section of it mm. for social entrepreneurship. Yeah, you know, can there be like you know Patagonia? We talked about this right. in this podcast. Yep. where they have what's it called the Fix It Zipper Store.
1: Yeah, uh, reworn. Yes, the reworn program. So can we
0: have like a reworn section. Yeah, um, and and actually, in conversation. It's gotten away from like, no, no, it's not like this little corner where like that's where you do social entrepreneurship and the rest is making or like technology is only in this space. Yep. it's actually um, and I don't know if a Venn diagram is actually the right visual, although that's what I've been having in my yeah. head. Uh, I think it's more like there's just like a big bucket and then the bucket is like who we are as a school.
1: Nice. Right. Yeah, like yeah. our
0: vision for what education can be. Yeah, this
1: was the conversation you and I had planning our parent ed event.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's going to happen on uh or if you listened previously, happened on uh, January 27th.
1: <laughs> we hope you were there.
0: We hope you were there. Or if you're listening right away, if you download the latest episode, we hope you will join us if you're a parent at Hillbrook. Exactly. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're gonna kind of talk about that and, and how that all fits in. Um, but really social entrepreneurship can happen anywhere in the hub.
1: That's right. Because right? Yep. it doesn't
0: need a specific tool, right? Technology right. and kind of ed tech is again just a tool that students can use and it's well are you going to connect it to a laser cutter in which case it's going to be in a louder space yep are you going to be podcasting in which case it needs to be really quiet right is it going to be yearbook which might be a mixture of all those you need to really focus you need to be really social and talk about you know going through here's 200 photos let's pick the best one yeah right you know so technology doesn't have a space anymore there's not the computer lab
1: Right. In the way that we used to have, you know, it's it's
0: ubiquitous, you know, and even though I think that um, social entrepreneurship has the space, I think to name this matters to us as a school. Right. And, you know, like there's that stake in the ground. It also is going to just really permeate the hub.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting, you know, when I first got here and and people um, and we saw lots of people coming to visit, they're always like, oh, I can't wait to see the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship Center, you know, in a traditional education context means a physical center, a physical space on campus. We purposefully didn't name the Equity and Impact Lab, the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship for the reasons that you just explained, which is that, social entrepreneurship, social impact education is integrated throughout the Hillbrook experience, both in very concrete ways, electives, enrichment, summer camps, and then also as threads throughout curriculum and math and English and science and language. Um, And we want both of those things to be happening continuously.
0: Yeah. In the same way that technology isn't just technology time. Like, you know, (laughs) On your schedule, if you're a fourth grader, you're right. not going to see technology time <laughs> where you go to the computer lab, you're not going to see social entrepreneurship time. And right. this is where you have time to like, you know, actually engage in those. Exactly. And right. As we redesigned our new schedule and we're in year two of the new schedule, it is important to, again, you know, kind of put that stake on the ground. And, right. you know, like Mark Silver, our head of school, often will say nothing impacts more people every day than a schedule yeah nothing his, touches yeah, more people on
1: this is incredible
0: incredible right so how you spend your time communicates a lot about what matters to you as a school
1: that's right yep
0: so I was talking with a colleague up in Campbell just north of us um, her name's Amanda and she is talking about their school public school and how they can spend their time they have a k-5 mm-hmm. school is kind of a more making school kind of one of those magnet e type schools Yep. Um, and so they have a lot of constraints around minutes. Oh, interesting. Right? You have to have hundred minutes, however often for PE and for math. Yep. And so, um, you know, before I was here at Hillbrook, I was teaching elementary public school. And so I can very much speak the minutes conversation, Nice. but then also was able to, you know, really where we kept landing after question after question was around what environment looks like mm. and how you do your time. So when we did our new schedule, We have reach beyond block. So once a week for middle school, once a week for lower school. Yep. Really from after lunch until the end of the day. If you bring a pack lunch or sack lunch, a pack lunch. What's a pack lunch? A lunch that you you pack. pack your lunch. You do. It works. I'm going to call it a pack lunch. Can we make that a thing, people?
1: Yes, it's a thing.
0: Done. Pack lunch. Pack lunch. You really have almost from like noon until three.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. right.
0: So you, you have this like protected time where we as a school say, it matters to give people a chance every week to reach beyond themselves and make a difference in the world.
1: That's right. Both faculty. I love that you said people, because it is also the opportunity for faculty to bring in different types of expertise, experience, partnerships with the community that don't necessarily show up in the everyday teaching schedule. Um, But this is a chance to say, Oh, you know, you also have this. I always use the example of, of um, Brian or who I know you've worked with on several reach bands. Like, Has deep interest and expertise in all kinds of science curriculum. Sure. Also has deep expertise and interest in all sorts of music, and is a talented musician. And has found such cool ways to have those two expertise and talents and interests intersect. Yep. um, That is both you know meant to be. I think impactful for students, but is also a creative outlet for students and faculty to work together on projects.
0: No, absolutely. And for me, it feels so authentic for. Adults, right? Because it's not just faculty, like all employees at Hillbrook are invited to, and in some cases are expected to participate and help lead Reach Beyond Block groups. Yeah. So, Brian, right. I actually made a music video with Elizabeth, uh, our previous music teacher, and so I shot the video and they wrote a Can song. Can we
1: link? We should link to this video. Let's it's drop that in, so in a little bit right now. Good. Yeah. It's so awesome. Uh-
0: composting. So it wasn't just like, let's write a song and make a video. It was now we have a compost bin. People don't understand how to use it properly. Right. If you get the song stuck in your head every single time you go to do your lunch tray or your packed lunch,
1: your packed lunch.
0: You, oh, right, right, right. That goes in compost, <laughs> but not the right. And so there's the whole story. And hopefully that little song that gets stuck in your head. That helps them.
1: In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm joining uh, for second lunch today. I think I'm going to play that song.
0: <gasps> I love it.
1: As they exit the lunchroom. Do you
0: have a device that can play a music video anywhere?
1: I have a laptop.
0: And an I iPad. And a phone. And
1: a phone. Just like
0: you name it. Right? I have
1: all sorts of great devices. <laughs>
0: you can play anything on onto person. anything. You can play it from your phone speaker. You can airplay it to the TV in the yeah. lunchroom. Right.
1: Well, and I love this example because it's something you and I talk about all the time. And, you know, Mark and I have had this conversation recently, too, about like the ways in which Reach Beyond show up for children are not going to be like. You have Reach Beyond Block on Tuesday, you go home and you tell your parents or your friends, I did this and I learned this. Oftentimes what we've noticed with Reach Beyond, both the Reach Beyond Week and the Reach Beyond Block is we are planting seeds of ideas. Mm. We are giving children access to experiences um, both in on campus and off campus that they they, um, haven't necessarily had access to before. So I always use the example of um, aquaponics is that kind of very specific niche way of thinking about sustainable agriculture. We don't necessarily expect students to go home and build an aquaponic system at their house. Sure, We do have one family that decided to do that in what? their garage, which is really <laughs> cool. So that might be an outcome. Yeah. That's not the goal of teaching aquaponics as a reach beyond block. What we have noticed is over time, I love this, I talk about this all the time, the like student point across campus when like I'm walking around or Mark's walking around or you're walking around, and you get that student that like is pointing at you and like comes and runs up and you're like, I don't know why you're pointing, but I feel <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. And and you know, then they're like, oh my gosh, guess what happened? I was at Disney World last week and I saw a whole aquaponic system, and they were using it, you know, to grow basil, and they were also using it to preserve a certain t- Type of fish species and you know all of these ways that i think we are trying to help children build the lens of how they want to make a difference in the world it does not look the same for every single child we know that you know what matters to one child is going to be very different than what matters to another child but junior kindergarten through eighth grade is absolutely the right place and time and age to be exploring with all those different ways of making a difference
0: You know, absolutely. And it's interesting as a parent, if I can put my parent hat on metaphorically. Yeah. um, It's not an actual hat, although I could bring hats in here. The wardrobe of social entrepreneurship. There you go. The wardrobe of different things we wear as a parent. Exactly. have to be like a dad hat.
1: Yeah, like you do need a dad big hat. big
0: brim. I have one when I swim with my kids. That would be ridiculous, though.
1: You definitely have the dad jokes now.
0: <laughs> I do. I totally do. It's great. So as a parent of three Hillbrook students, it's interesting, like, knowing what I know as senior leader at Hillbrook uh-huh. is a very different world than as parents parent yeah right because i know what that yeah. i know all of this right and that's what i love about this podcast is we can start to share some of these stories that's hard to see as a parent because social entrepreneurship technology diversity equity, inclusion all these things like don't show up on a report card right they're hard to like in the way that we as adults went to school this isn't what school was for us yeah
1: you're not going to get like an a and social entrepreneurship
0: <laughs> sure Right. Right. You got an A minus right. in reach beyond. Like right. that's not,
1: that's not a that's, thing. That's, that's not, not how we actually do anything at Hillbrook, but especially, especially not right, reach right. beyond,
0: you know? And so, so the, the tricky thing as a parent is like, well, like all I really know is what I did mm. in school. So mm. like, do I want my kid to like read more, write more? Like, do I want them like extra, like dream box, mm. like math practice? Do I want to give them like extra, like, hard books right you know like it it feels like that's such an easy step because for me that's all I knew yep is that if you're good and smart you get harder and you get more
1: oh interesting
0: right yeah and and then that makes sense so both as like the request as parent Uh but then also like the reception of like right it's hard to see it day to day yep and to know like what those conversations are you know, but I think it gets back to kind of the bigger picture of like who we are as a school. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what we believe. This is how we spend our time. Right. And if we get back to the hub, this is how we design our spaces. Yes. And really like the overarching theme that for me as a parent and as director of technology are both easy to see is that it's really putting choice and engagement for students at the center of the learning experience.
1: That's right. And I think, you know, as you're naming that example, I remember my brother was in um, the accelerated math science track when I was applying to go to high school. And I remember him, you know, him sitting down to do his homework and doing three math problems and being like, oh yeah, I get this. And then being like, but now I got to do 200 more because that's Mm -hmm. how I show that I know this. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like you doing 300 math problems when you understood the concept and understood the the math theory behind it, um, and could articulate that doesn't actually make you a better math student. And so we had this, like, he was like, yeah, but that's how, like, that's like what you do in in math. And I was just like, not me. I don't like, (laughs) that's not going to be what (laughs) I do in math. Um, and of course I did do that. And that was what You know, my school at the time, that's how they made sense of challenging students was like the increase in um, number of problems or equations that you could do in a certain time frame. The way Hillbrook thinks about learning for children just makes me so excited about the future that these kids are going to enter into. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, it's also an exciting and a challenging thing as a school. Yeah. Right. That that what we are doing is not what me as a parent and what I would say for most parents, that's not really what school was. But it's also yeah what makes us us.
1: Yeah. And it's the thing, you know, I think um, thinking about our, our teacher community, our staff community, our leadership community. These are things that we think about all day, every day. Yes. absolutely. Um, it's hard to like make that available to our parent community, even sometimes to our student community. Um, you know, like aquaponics was something I've been thinking about for two years before I ever like taught an aquaponics class. So it's, it's these ways that like things show up. Ethical fashion is another example of that. Sure. You know, these are, these are concepts or ideas that I've been navigating or talking to experts, going to visit places like Patagonia, places like the refill shop before we ever bring students there. So it is, it takes extreme preparation. It is the hardest kind of teaching and it is absolutely the best kind of teaching. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's also what I love about, you know, if we name check the parent event again for us, if you're listening to this in real time, coming up on the 27th, if you're listening to this like retroactively, you're binge listening to the Center for Teaching (laughs) Excellence podcast. This already happened, sorry. Um, But actually having those conversations with parents. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, because we know that Parents are a philosophical match. They care so much about their students making a difference in the world. Yeah. Right? But then, how, what does it actually look like? And
1: And we have the coolest parents at this school. Like, every time I meet a new parent, I'm just like, how are you so awesome? Like, you are doing such cool things in the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're really
1: lucky to have that, that layer of expertise. You know, I think one of the exciting things that's happened in Reach Beyond this year is we've really utilized some of our parent community in interesting ways. So, you know, we took a group of girls to meet, um, Someone who is both an alumna and a current JK parent who works at Google and is um, doing amazing work in, in virtual reality and making sense of the San Jose community. And so, you know, not only did she talk about the technology of her work, she also talked about what it means to be a Hillbrook alumna. Oh, and I so love cool. like it was just so empowering. She talked about being an athlete and we had seven girls in that room who are, you know, really competitive athletes. And, yeah. and so they saw someone who like can make all of these things work together in the world.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so exciting. I mean, We have so much more to share as time goes on. But I think this is a good time to put a bow in the episode.
1: Yeah. And we encourage anyone who's, you know, got ideas or trying to make sense of reach beyond. Um, come talk to us. We we really value those one-on-one conversations um, and recognize that children are engaging with this new part of our schedule in various ways.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.